Thank you, Stephen. That was beautiful. Welcome to Westlake United Methodist Church. How are you all doing today? <laughs> good. It's good to see you all. And I want to welcome those of you who are worshiping with us online as well. I want to invite you to do something. If you will take a moment and sign in, there is a booklet at the end of your row if you are here in person. Uh, if you could uh, fill that out and pass it down the row, we'd greatly appreciate that. If you're worshiping online, I want to invite you to register your attendance there as well. Uh, you can, uh, if you're watching on the live stream via the website, if you'll back out of full screen mode and click on that little red rectangle right above the video screen that says register your attendance, fill out the form, come on back. If you're on Facebook Live, you can uh, register on the event page. Well, there's a few things I want to let you know about that are happening here in the church uh, this weekend and the weeks to come. First, on Sunday, September 12th, we are having a newcomer's lunch. So if you are new or newer to the church, we would love to ha have the opportunity to get to know you better, uh, to eat together, and we'll do this in safe and socially distanced ways. We'll give some space for that. Um, but we would love to share a little bit more about who we are and the different ways to get involved and connect and to serve and all those great things. So uh, if you haven't already and you're interested, uh, you can sign up, go to the events page on the website. We have some youth ministry events coming up. Uh, this week, uh, our youth are connecting with other students from Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church. So this Wednesday night, 6.30 to 8.30 for a really uh, cool event called Color Wars. Um, it's going to be a blast. So if you've got students uh, or you've got grandkids and you're like, hey, that sounds like a blast, uh, sign up on the events page. Now, uh, Sunday, September 5th is going to be a bittersweet day for us here because we will be excited to welcome Children First back in person here in the space, but we'll also be sending off Megan Getman, our beloved Children's Ministries Director. So on that Sunday, the 9 a.m. service will be Children First, and immediately following, uh, we will celebrate Megan. Uh, we'll be in the parking lot with some delicious ice cream treats, uh, maybe some sweet donut treats as well. It's going to be fantastic, so come out, be a part of that with us, get your sugar high, and, <laughs> and then go run it off, you know, whatever you need to do, uh, but Sunday, September 5th. Uh, Children's Ministry is asking if you all could, if you haven't already, you've got kiddos in this age range, we would love for you to take the time to register and fill out a questionnaire for upcoming fall Children's Ministry programming. That would help us out greatly as we plan for the fall. Uh, you can go to the Children's Ministry page on the website. And last thing, uh, next Sunday is our Sunday School kickoff for kids and adults. Uh, so we're looking forward to this uh, new programming and new opportunities, ways for, for all the different groups to connect in a hybrid fashion, uh, both in person and online all at the same time. All right. Thanks, y'all. Happy Sunday. Opening hymn this morning is from The Faith We Sing, number 2223. They'll know we are Christians by our love. And we ask that you worship with us in your heart. Those of you that are at home, sing loud enough for all of us. <laughs>
And welcome to Westlake United Methodist Church. My name is Tracy Beadle. Oh, I forgot. My name is Tracy Beadle, and I'm the senior pastor, and I'm so glad that you're all here to worship with us, both those of you here in the room and those who have joined us online. We've already begun to be called to worship, but I want to invite us all to now stand and respond to that call, speaking the words in yellow when it's time. Whom do you seek here in this place? Who has told you of God? Discipleship is difficult. Are you ready? Amen. The one who calls us to become one with him also greets us with a deep peace. I want to invite us to now turn and share the peace of Christ with one another. Those of you online, you can drop something in the chat or text your friends. Peace of Christ be with you all. Welcome any of the children of God that would like to come forth for children's time. today. Well, I am so glad to be here with you, worshiping with you, and I'm so glad that you are worshiping with us online. Well, today our scripture is talking about uh, continuing the conversation about the living bread. Jesus has been talking about this for a little while in the book of John, and every time I come across the living bread, I get a little confused because it's a deep topic. And so when I think about it, I always wonder, what is your favorite food? What's your favorite food, Kurt? Ooh, Thai food. Ooh, Thai food. That is a, that's a good one. Pasta. Pasta is also very good. My, one of my favorite foods is pizza. And it always makes me really happy to eat pizza. Yeah. But I think about this in all the different ways that we take care of our bodies. How do we feed our bodies? We do it with nutritious food. We do it with food that makes us happy, even if it's not all that nutritious for us, like pizza. Um, but we do it in all kinds of ways, too. We, anytime that we are active, we feed our bodies. Anytime that we get rest, like sleeping or naps, or just sitting quietly sometimes, we feed our bodies. But how do we also feed our emotions? When we cry, that's us taking care of our emotions. When we laugh, that's us feeding our emotions and keeping emotions healthy and strong. And when we spend time with Jesus in worship 
or in community, in fellowship. That is us taking care of and feeding our spiritual spiritual spirits. <laughs> and I think that's what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about being the living bread. Anytime that we are able to spend time, quality time with Jesus in his community and in fellowship and in serving, that is when we get to enter into that living bread with Jesus. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> All right, will you guys pray with me, please? Awesome God. Awesome, awesome God. God. Thank you for loving us. Thank, Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending Jesus and giving us all the things we need to sustain every aspect of our life. Amen. pray. Holy Spirit, inhabit us that we might dwell in you and live fully. And hold me up, God, that I might lift you up. Amen. Hear now the gospel of Jesus Christ according to John. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me lives because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It isn't like the bread your ancestors ate and then they died. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Many of his disciples who heard this said, this message is harsh. Who can hear it? Jesus knew that the disciples were grumbling about this, and he said to them, Does this offend you? What if you were to see the human one going up where he was before? The spirit is the one who gives life, and the flesh doesn't help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life, yet some of you don't believe. Jesus knew from the beginning who wouldn't believe and the one who would betray him. He said, for this reason I said to you that no one can come to me unless the Father enables them to do so. At this, many of his disciples turned away and no longer accompanied him. Jesus asked the twelve, do you also want to leave? Simon Peter answered, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are God's Holy One. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Some of you may remember, because I have mentioned it in the past, that this is how this scripture makes me feel. <laughs> Edvard Monk, he does an amazing job of evoking sheer terror. This per person clenches their face so tightly, it's as if they're afraid their head's gonna fly right off their shoulders like they're barely hanging on to their sanity. I imagine that's how the disciples felt. Scripture says many of them turned away because Jesus' message was too harsh. It was hard to believe. More likely, they ran screaming, desperately hanging on to their sanity. This message is harsh. It is hard to believe. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. 
We unpacked this language a little bit last week, and we said that the Greek word translated here as eat is also translated or can be translated as consume. And we said that as expert consumers, we Americans know from experience that the adage, you are what you eat, definitely has some truth to it. What we consume, be it food, alcohol, drugs, whether we have a hunger for money or power or a thirst for some particular entertainment or news or social media content, what we consume shapes our worldview and our priorities. It shapes who we are politically and socially, spiritually. It informs our thoughts and our feelings, our words and our actions. Ultimately, we said, what we consume will consume you, which is why it's critical that what we devour is Christ. So that the primary lens through which we view the world and our fellow humans, the primary uh, perspective that informs our thinking and feeling and our speaking and our acting is Christ. Today, Jesus goes on to really drive home the point that we better believe it because somehow our very lives depend upon our ability to comprehend and to accept this teaching. This past January, I convened a team of leaders from the church to reflect on the divisiveness in our world that seems to sabotage any collective effort to effectively address problems that face us. Specifically, we would reflect together on how that divisiveness may be impacting our church community, and then imagine ways that we might overcome that divisiveness. We've never figured out exactly what to call ourselves, so I've dubbed us the committee that must not be named. The team consists of eight people, four women and four men, and among them are representatives of many different viewpoints along the political, social, and theological spectrums. Our first task was to articulate what the problem is that we're trying to solve for. That alone took months, but we finally landed on this. It seems to us that Westlake UMC is silently separated, which compromises our focus on our Christian commonality and witness. What we're attempting to express here is that our church community is made up of people with diverse perspectives and opinions, and because discourse in the public sphere has become so toxic, so divisive, rather than risk introducing that toxicity into our community, we keep many of our thoughts and opinions to ourselves. We remain silent on important issues and challenges that we face to keep the peace. But in actuality, that silence separates us, separates us from one another, and it compromises our ability, we think, to fully embody our Christian witness because in our silent separation, we forfeit the opportunity to better know and understand each other. And because we don't share our authentic selves, our differences can begin to feel like they eclipse all that we have in common. We used the word compromise very intentionally because we realize we do have a compelling Christian witness right now. I mean, we serve in amazing ways right now. We care for one another. We have many vital ministries that impact people's lives in powerful ways. And just imagine what our witness could be. We've spent the weeks and months since arriving at that problem statement, imagining and experimenting with ways that God might be leading us to overcome our silent separation by learning and practicing engaging in respectful discourse, discourse that's grounded in the love that we're called to through Christ, in an effort to better understand those with whom we disagree 
for the purpose of discovering what we have in common that we might leverage to more faithfully respond to challenges and strengthen our Christian witness in the world. It's a lofty goal. Early on, we met weekly for two hours at a time. In recent months, we've met roughly every two weeks or so for about 90 minutes. And I can tell you it has been a journey, one that has consumed my thoughts and energy. It has been fun. It's been a lot of fun because we have gotten to engage more intentionally and personally with one another. We've had a lot of laughs, and it's been enlightening. We've learned tons from each other and about each other, about how we each view and experience church, about how we each view and experience the world and the many challenges it faces, and we've learned a lot about how we think we might grow in our ability to meet those challenges. It's been enlightening. And at times, it's been tricky. (laughs) On more than one occasion, I wanted to turn away, abandon the effort, run screaming. It's had its intense moments as well because this group does represent so many different perspectives. And because we care deeply about what it is that we're attempting to accomplish, we think it's important. And because this work has required authenticity and vulnerability as we've worked to build a foundation of trust among those on the team. It's also been very tedious. We recognize that the work we've taken on has the potential, if not handled carefully, to backfire. (laughs) So our progress has been very slow, painfully slow, much slower than I think any of us anticipated. We've struggled to discern how best to invite all of you into this work, entertaining a number of possible tools and processes that might be helpful. Our last meeting was a week and a half ago, and we're getting very close to settling on how best to communicate what it is we're up to with all of you. We're starting to zero in on what we hope and pray will be effective tools and processes practices, really, spiritual practices, to invite us all into. And all of this is with the hope that over time we will create a culture where we can talk about things that matter in such a way that relationships and our community and our Christian witness are strengthened in the process I personally have found this whole process to be very encouraging and a bit frightening. In fact, it kind of reminds me of when I was eight months pregnant. You know, God conceives something in you. It begins to grow. It stretches you. It changes you until you get to the point where soon you know it's going to be birthed, and you know that's when the hard work really begins It's frightening because it's become painfully apparent to me that to overcome divisiveness so that we might better understand one another and have vital and meaningful conversations with the hope of identifying our Christian commonalities and expressions of those commonalities that might strengthen our witness in the world, well, that work, it may require In fact, I think it will require a whole lot more of me, a whole lot more of us than I at first anticipated. I've learned through this process that I cannot earnestly engage in this work without being changed. As the weight of what Jesus calls his hearers to dawns, They're frightened. For the Jews that Jesus is addressing, it's very confusing, challenging. I mean, they've grown up on stories of Moses and manna in the desert. Y'all remember the bread from heaven that came down 
and fed all of the Israelites during the Exodus, this pillar of their faith gave them the commandments that had come to him from God, and they follow them. These are very faithful Jews. And now Jesus says, wait, there's more. Something more than manna, something more than the law. Jesus is calling them to so much more. He's calling us to so much more. To something deeper, something ambiguous. It's not a well-defined set of rules to follow. It's a relationship with Jesus. It's something that will require much more from them than they had ever imagined. Yet if they believe, if they entrust themselves to Jesus, if they consume him, he will consume them, heart, mind, and soul, and they will be changed. Y'all, Jesus has been going on about bread for more than 60 verses now. It all started when he fed more than 5,000 men, women, and children with that little sack lunch. Since then, he's worn the metaphor slap out. I mean, he's talked about bread that perishes, bread that gives eternal life, the true bread of heaven, the bread that he is, his flesh, the bread that we must consume if we are to live. It's a harsh message, hard to believe, very hard to swallow. No wonder they want to run screaming. He wants them to abide in him, remain in him, dwell in him, live in him. He wants those to whom he speaks. He wants us to experience the very same relationship he has with God. A relationship where there are differences, there are distinctions, and because of the grace and compassion, because of the love they have in common, they are one. It's beautiful language evocative, poetic. I mean, I can see it. I can imagine it. It even makes me long for the intimacy that Jesus is calling us all to. And (laughs) I'm afraid of what it means personally, practically, of how this sort of relationship will change me and my life, how it will change my understanding of what it means to live as one with God, with Christ, with you, with the world. It's a harsh teaching. And yet the disciples know, and I think we know, deep in our spirits, we know that our lives depend upon it. It's the single most important thing that I've taken away from the committee that must not be named. All of our lives, regardless of our political, social, or religious viewpoints, All of our lives and the life and witness of the church absolutely depend upon this harsh and very frightening teaching. This call that asks everything of us. Will we run screaming? (laughs) Hanging on tightly? Afraid that we might lose our heads or the lives that we're used to? We could turn away. We could choose to remain silently separated. I wonder sometimes maybe we should. To a large degree, it has been working for us. And it certainly feels less risky. It certainly feels more comfortable. But it does compromise our ability to better understand one another and to connect more deeply and to find and leverage what we have in common for the sake of an even more faithful witness. Y'all, if we who claim to be one in Christ aren't willing to be challenged 
by the love that we say we have in common, aren't willing to be changed and transformed by the grace of Christ in God, our Christian witness, as strong as it is, it will be compromised. Still, we could choose the status quo. Some of the Jews who hear this message from Jesus, they certainly do. Many walk away, return to what they know, what they understand, what's comfortable. Moses, manna, the law. One commentator says about this scripture, we prefer religion over God. Religion, if what you mean by that is to follow rules and order, to have some measure by which to judge success or failure as a good church person, as challenging as that can be, it's so much easier than God. At least this God. This God who is mysterious this God who takes on flesh to abide with us, to live in and through us, this God who wants to make their home with and in us and who desires authentic and intimate relationship, who desires communion with us, who wants to be one with us. It's a sacramental relationship this relationship between God and Jesus and the relationship God desires with us through Jesus, the relationship that God calls us to as the body of Christ, as a community of faith, that's what I've learned through this work. Without all of us investing ourselves in one another and committing to authentic and vulnerable engagement across our many differences, the more silently separated we could become the more we may lose sight of our Christian commonalities, weakening the strength of our community and our witness in the world. A community that forms all of us in faith with and in one another's lives. We are to share life with one another in the same way we're called to take in, consume the flesh and blood of the very life of Christ. Because in Christ, we are one, one body, and every single one of us matters to its well-being. The strength of our witness depends upon it. It's a lot to swallow. Will we run screaming or will we remain in Christ? Remain as Christ's body a community of believers who say with Peter, where else would we go? We believe. We entrust ourselves to you because you have the words of eternal life. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tracy, for that challenging message. Well, now we prepare our hearts to give as an act of worship and as an act of gratitude. And I am so thankful for this body, for this congregation, for the work uh, that we see happening on such a regular basis, the ministry to the different age groups, the heart of compassion and service. Uh, it's really beautiful. The elements uh, that are involved in, in creating a space for worship each week, it's amazing. And we are so thankful. I'm thankful to be a part of this congregation with you. Thank you for your generous gifts that make the work of this church possible. Well, there are a few ways that you can give to support the work of Westlake UMC. Uh, first, you can, if you're here in person, you can go, uh, you can leave your gift uh, in the offering plate, which will be in the narthex on your way out. You can go to our website, westlake-umc.org. You can make a one-time gift or you can set up recurring gifts. It's easy, it's convenient. It's what my family does, so we don't forget. <laughs> uh, you can text Westlake UMC in all caps to 73256. Uh, or you can mail a check to the church at any time that is convenient to you. Well, thank you so much. As I said, uh, we are so grateful for you. Uh, you are the church. We are the church together. And we are so thankful that we get to do this with you. 
So thanks, everybody. and Stephen. That was beautiful. Well, friends, as an expression of our love for each other, uh, let's pray. Let's pray for the needs that we see before us, the things that weigh heavily upon us. And for those of you worshiping at home, I invite you to offer any joys or concerns that you might have in the chat or the comment section. And I wanted you to know the memorial candle that's on the altar table today is in memory of Marky Duncan who passed away last evening, the mother of Janine Brim. And so we hold uh, Janine and Jay Brim in our prayers today. Let us pray together. God, we celebrate the 38th wedding anniversary for Susan Landers and Philip Berry, and the 15th wedding anniversary for Megan and James Sitaro. We celebrate the birthdays of Shannon Egan, John Walters, Linda Teets, and more. We give thanks for all those who give of their time and efforts and volunteer service here in the church and beyond in our community. We give special thanks for David Graham, Jim Balthazar, Tom Rio, Pete Morford, Scott Thompson, James Beadle, Lib Sullivan, Gary Wildey, John Walters, and Chuck Gauchy, 
who have all worked so hard to remodel preschool rooms in preparation for the start of this new school year. And we also give special thanks to Herman and Rudy Gonzalez and our maintenance staff for all the ways they've gone above and beyond. As cases of COVID-19 spike all over, we give thanks for all the healthcare workers and providers that work diligently to save lives. God, may they know your strength and may they know our support. God, we offer you our concerns. You are the healer and you hear our cries to be made whole in body, in mind, and in spirit. You understand the relational, spiritual, emotional, and financial needs that we're facing. And we know that you are with us and that you will direct us. May your comfort and may your peace be felt, especially for those who grieve. And God, may your presence be known for the many, many who are struggling in the nation of Afghanistan at this moment. And God, we pray a prayer of faith and hope, even if it seems impossible for peace. Let's take the next few moments to offer to God that which weighs so heavily upon us right now in these moments. Let's do so in these following moments of silence. Loving God, open our ears to hear your word and draw us closer to you, that the whole world may be one with you as you are one with us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now we pray with faith and conviction the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our sending song today is in the hymnal number 545, The Church's One Foundation.
please rise for the benediction. Despite our differences, we are one in Christ. And we know that the love of God, the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit are with each and every one of us now and remain with us always. Amen.